Hello, and welcome to the Foothills Deeper Pod, a podcast all about how we can bring more love and more courage into our daily lives. I'm Reverend Gretchen, and I am so pleased to be hosting our podcast today because it means that we get to delve into Reverend Elaine's sermon from this week, the stories we make up about the future. You know, we make them up because actually we don't know what the future holds. And yet our brains really don't like that much uncertainty, that much unknown. So instead we try to fill in the gaps with things that we do know, things that have happened before, information about what's happening now. And we move into a place of anxiety and worry and our amygdala lizard brain gets triggered and options narrow. Listening to Elaine's message this week, I was thinking back on one of the times in my life when I was most set into this space about projecting the future, which was after I came out to my parents, they did not react well initially. So I was working with this therapist. I was a pretty young adult at the time. And so I had had this, I had a very close relationship with my parents before then. She asked me to consider what the future held for how I would be in relationship with my parents. And in my mind, I could only imagine either I went back in the closet and thus was able to have a full relationship with them, or I would be out and have no relationship with them. And good therapist that she was, she had me put those two things on a spectrum, like literally draw it out on a piece of paper on one end being totally closeted, no relationship, I mean, having a relationship, and the other end being totally out and having zero relationship. And she said, this is a spectrum, and there's a lot of options between. And so I'd like you to spend some time trying to draw out what those other options are of relationship. And my brain literally could come up with zero other options. I could think of nothing between those two things. That's what happens when we're facing major changes and um, looking ahead into this great unknown future is uh, our brains can often shrink the options into uh, narrow binaries, either or. But actually, the future is filled with all kinds of complexity and possibility that our minds right now can't possibly conceive of. So ultimately, as you can imagine, I was able to come up with some, with the help of the therapist and my partner, some things in between those two extremes with my parents. And then, of course, we've had the last 23 years to live into those possibilities and to discover together not just some kind of stereotypical extreme of human relationships, but rather our own particular version of what relationship means. And they change through this time. They're very different humans than they were then. And part of that was influenced by my coming out and their work to be in relationship with me. And some of it was my own maturity and coming to better understand who I am and what what it means to be a differentiated adult. And some of it was grandchildren. (laughs) What happens when you suddenly you have grandchildren enter the picture? Anyway, all this to say that the future was a lot more nuanced and complicated and it didn't just have to do with what I could imagine. It had to do with what we all could imagine and what we all could create together. So I want to turn over to Elaine and her wonderful sermon for this week, and we'll check back in 
after. This past April, our family found ourselves in a sweet spot. We were finally feeling settled in our home after moving here nearly during the pandemic nearly two years earlier. We'd all just gotten over our first cases of COVID. So we were in this weirdly wonderful position of having this immunity boost. And so for the first time in two years, we went into buildings together with lots of humans, like lots of different buildings. We went out and had fun together. My kids went to stores and museums and things together and the world really felt like it was opening up. And also at the ages of four and 10, our children were more independent than ever, which afforded my husband and I some newfound freedom and spaciousness. So we found ourselves finally relaxing and catching our breath. And we noticed space, space opening up in our hearts to be able to imagine our next horizons in life. It felt like a new chapter of our lives was in bud and there was this great sense of possibility after so much pandemic stuckness. And so what does one do in that moment? Well, apparently you get a dog. Now I had held off on getting a dog for a long time. The children had been begging for a canine companion for years. My husband had been open to the notion of bringing a dog into our family for a while. And I was the family member resolutely against getting a dog. I had total clarity that with two kids and a job, I was at my personal max as far as responsibilities on the home front and also at my max regarding bodily functions that I was freely and actively choosing to deal with. But then there was this little opening in my heart this past April and we just quickly filled it up with Dennis, Dennis the dog, 50 pounds, 13 months old, just wanting to be a part of the pack and do the right thing. He was trying so hard to be a good dog and just figure out, you know, how do you do things around here? And yet he peed on the carpet in unexpected times. He would dart after rabbits and nearly pull us over on walks pretty regularly. A few injuries were sustained. Our four-year-old would invite Dennis into this rough wrestling play just over and over again. And Dennis accepted all the invitations, and this was very stressful for me to manage. Dennis jumped over our fence and ran away so many times. I'm pretty sure some of our neighbors must think that violent crimes are being committed in our backyard as they hear us desperately scream, no, no, as they see Dennis just hopping over the fence like an Olympian. So suddenly there's this new creature in my life to be constantly vigilant about. In my home, where I was planning on relaxing, and instead I feel like I'm always on. This is just the feeling I wanted some distance from for a while. Now, I'm a human who understands that obedience training for dogs is a thing. And that adolescent dogs, like adolescent humans, are still in the process of maturing. Things could change. 
But I was also afraid that I'd kind of wrecked my life a little bit. I was worried that if that we had destroyed this newfound peace and calm in our home by inviting this dog who was still kind of a stranger to us into our pack. And I had no actual assurance from any authoritative source that anything would change or change enough to make this work. And by July this summer, I had admitted privately to my husband that I was feeling regret at adopting Dennis the dog. I didn't want to take him back to the shelter, but I kept asking myself, what if we had waited and my spare moments were spent dreaming about somehow going back in time and changing our choice or like making this choice two years in the future. And I also saw for ourselves a future just trapped in this constant vigilance for months and years to come. So change happens. We know this. Kids grow up. Our loved ones die, our own inner landscape evolves. And yet, even though we know it's gonna keep coming, change is also stressful and often frightening. And we so easily find ourselves wrapped up in a projected future based on our current fears. We see our kids' difficult behaviors and conclude that they will never turn into self-sufficient adults. We lose a loved one and we can't imagine feeling joy in a world without them. We witness someone pulled into a deep sadness or woundedness and we find ourselves concluding that this must just be how they are now. The future is not written yet. We know this. In fact, if one thing is a constant, it's that things never turn out exactly the way we imagine they will. And this is not for a lack of imagining possible outcomes. We run movies in our head over and over about the changes in our lives, the events we're anticipating, how we'll navigate them. We imagine whole storylines about the trajectory of an illness, retirement, a career change, a severe weather event, a hard conversation, you name it. But if one thing is certain, it's that these events never turn out exactly like the movies in our heads. Sometimes it's close, but not exactly. One reason why we mentally rehearse these things is that chaos and uncertainty are so hard for our hearts to hold. These are very difficult places to dwell. Our hearts and our minds want to escape the discomfort of chaos and uncertainty by creating order. Because we believe that order and clarity will give us answers that will keep us safe. And so often without making any kind of conscious choice about it, we just start projecting out from the present moment into the future so that we can be prepared for the future. It helps us get organized for the future. And this gives us an experience of bringing order to the chaos in our lives. It helps us feel some sense of safety, even when the projected future is a scary one. 
This imagined phantom future can haunt us. It can loom over us, keeping us in a state of preparing for a very particular imagined scenario. According to biopsychologist Mary Poffenroth, this is part of why some of us find horror movies so compelling and even fun. Our brains want to dress rehearse fear scenarios and tragedies because when we play around with these scenarios in our minds, it helps us feel prepared and safe for when the bad thing happens. My friend and colleague, Karen Herring, shares a story that has been on my mind for weeks now. When her mother was first diagnosed with ALS, she was as shocked and terrified as anyone might be given the horrific losses of strength, mobility, and independence that this terminal illness brings. And if there were a situation where a phantom future projecting out from what we know now into a frightening future, when it would seem justified, this would be it. But about two and a half years later, and a half year before Karen's mother died, Karen asked her, what her mother could tell her about her experience. And by this time, her mother had lost her ability to use her legs, arms, and hands, and was only able to eat through a feeding tube. She was unable to speak more than a few words unless she used a computer that she directed with her eyes. And Karen asked her mother what it was like to live through so much loss. And her mother's answer couldn't have surprised her more. It didn't feel like she'd lost much, she said. Mostly, she explained, what it felt like was being surrounded by the abundance of love. Now the suffering and the hardship of this illness was so evident and so pervasive that both Karen and her mother knew that this statement was not a denial of her deep struggles, which were very real, and there were lots of losses. But in this conversational moment, what her mother most wanted Karen to know was how her awareness of love had been expanded. Incredible. I don't think any of them would have projected that at the moment of diagnosis, the moment of, of imagining and preparing for Karen's mother's future with ALS and how that would unfold. This really moves me, this story. Like the earthworm from our reading this morning, Karen's mother moved inch by inch through the terrain of her terminal degenerative illness. She felt it all. She recognized it all happening. And as she moved through it and took it in, she let herself be transformed in ways she probably had never anticipated because there was more than the illness and the suffering there. There was also love and connection that she was able to invite in and eventually even name as living at the core of her experience. When we are able to name and companion our fears, when we are able to 
compassionately encounter what we are feeling in the moment and in the next moment and the next moment. We can see our fears for what they are. They are not facts. They are not messengers from a very specific and frightening future. But our fears are very real emotions that can change like the weather. This naming and befriending of our emotions in the moment helps us become more receptive to what life is actually offering us. It helps to kind of name them and in a way you can find some amount of distance from them, some way of setting them in their place. And from this posture, we can receive life's offerings like the earthworms receive every morsel of soil in their path as a fodder for possibility, fodder for co-creating the future with everything around us. When we are expecting the future to be just one thing, just bad, or even just good, we set the table for a very narrow range of possibilities and experiences. And this narrowness might mean that we could miss a glimpse of something that we weren't expecting. The phantom future also fails to account for the fact that all bad and all good are not really flavors that life comes in. Life is usually filled with contradictory experiences at any given moment, beauty and pain, loss and blessing. Since coming to Foothills, I've learned that we call this life's tangled blessings, which I think is the most beautiful and appropriate phrase for this phenomenon. When I started to think about our future with Dennis the dog, I started to imagine his future and ours as just one very prescribed thing. I got stuck in a phantom future. And this phantom future wasn't that he would always be the same amount of difficult in all of the same ways forever. I didn't believe that. The story that I was holding was that we would do things to fix the problems and then we would have a home with a problem-free dog and I could relax. And this phantom future locked Dennis and us into this very narrow range of choices and ways of being in relationship with each other. And as the future unfolded, it was not this narrow and it also did not get 100% re resolved. Some things resolved 100%, like the housebreaking issue. Some of the things resolved moderately, like getting all wound up when playing with our preschooler. And some things are still very unresolved. So just don't ask me about the fence situation. But as I took Dennis to obedience classes to begin to resolve the leash pulling issue, and week after week, we were moved through these exercises that asked us to communicate with each other. And we practiced at home. And slowly my regretful, cranky heart cracked open a little more and a little more. 
Dennis started following me around the house and napping next to me while I worked. And I found myself petting him and inventing nicknames for him and looking forward to seeing him when I walked through the door. Something happened that was better than getting all the problems checked off the list in order to achieve the ultimate goal of not feeling annoyed with a stranger dog in our home. And instead we began to trust each other and to understand each other and a relationship took root. And this helped both of us navigate the big change of Dennis joining us. We became part of the same family. And I have to believe that this connection is as sweet for him as it is for me. So I want to invite you into a little experiment with me. This is something that I'm inviting you to take out into your lives and try out sometime in the next week. And we're going to practice it here today. So I want to ask you to bring to mind something you are worrying about, something that's in, in your life where you notice you're projecting a story out into the future about how it's going to be hard based on what you're feeling right now. Maybe it's a place you're really wishing that you could create some order from chaos and uncertainty. And as you're holding this in your mind, just stop and take a breath, like a real slow breath. And look inside and ask yourself, what am I feeling? And see if you can name those feelings with compassion. Maybe it's, I'm feeling frightened. I'm feeling stressed. And then remind yourself the future is not yet written. The future is not yet written. It is not yet written. Maybe you wanna even relax your brow or drop your shoulders with that reminder. The future is not yet written. The future of everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you have yet to meet, not yet written. And so much is possible for us. And when life's chaos and hardship tempt us to grasp for order and control and clarity and the phantom future looms, may we remember to move through this like life like the earthworms, grounded in this moment, present to what is in front of us, taking in what we encounter in real time, actively co-creating the future with everything around us. And in this process of writing the future together, may we surround each other with so much love that in the end, our focus is not on the loss or the pain, but on the feeling of being surrounded by an abundance of love. May it be so. Amen. I so appreciate that message from Elaine today, and that I think it's something that I, mean, I personally can really use 
And I especially love it because I love that it's that she settled in to tell the story about Dennis the dog. Because knowing Elaine more personally, I know what a journey that was for her when I first met her. When she and her family were first here, she was very certain that they were not going to be getting a dog. She thought maybe a cat, actually. But her family was very determined. So just watching the ways that in that case, the future that they had in mind was not at all the future that Elena had in mind, but also then in turn watching her and her family fall in love with Dennis the dog and building a, a real relationship with him and how that can change everything. Things you thought you may not be tolerant of, instead love softens our hearts <laughs> and makes the those possibilities be not just about burden, but also a delight. So I, I think a lot of us, especially coming out of COVID and more isolation, recognize how important those relationships with our animal friends can be. And they are our animals companions can be. And they are, I think sometimes we understate or underestimate just how important and transformative those relationships can be. So I really loved that she told the story about Dennis the dog. I know a lot of the upcoming weeks are filled with potential ways we might project ourselves into the future and tell stories about the the future and try to control where it's going to be maybe around the upcoming election season but just in our lives in this season of great change all around us so i really appreciate elaine's invitation to remember the future is unwritten it's there's more happening than we can possibly imagine and that none of us know for certain both what's going to happen in our lives and the ways that we will change and the ways that the people around us will change and the world around us will change. And so that can be a great gift to just settle into that mystery, surrender to that mystery and receive it and be open to how we can partner with it with more love and more courage. That's our podcast for today. If you appreciate these messages and this opportunity to go a little deeper, and to hear the sermons again, or maybe even just for the first time, we'd really love your partnership and financial support. You can go to foothillsuu.org forward slash give and click on the make a donation button and just offer any amount is appreciated. It helps us to make these podcasts possible and to continue this work in partnership, which is the only way that courageous love becomes unleashed. Thanks so much and I look forward to talking to you at the next podcast when Sean Neil Barron will be back and he and I will be talking about a little bit about his sabbatical and the changes that both he experienced and that he's looking forward to as he returns. Have a good week. Hey!